This week on The Word of the Lord Endures Forever, we dig further into St. Luke's Gospel with The Things That Are God's, Sadducees and the Resurrection, Whose Son, Widow's Offering, and Destruction of the Temple. Join me, Pastor Will Whedon, for The Word of the Lord Endures Forever, your daily 15-minute verse-by-verse Bible study on demand. Listen at thewordendures.org or your favorite podcast provider. Comfort and defend us, gracious Lord. This is the feast of victory for our God. be with you. Let us pray. Almighty God, through the resurrection of your Son, you have secured peace for our troubled consciences. Grant us this peace evermore, that trusting in the merit of your Son, we may come at last to the perfect peace of heaven. Through the same Jesus Christ, your Son, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. The 
first reading for Easter Tuesday is taken from Acts chapter 13. Brothers, sons of the family of Abraham, and those among you who fear God, to us has been sent the message of this salvation. For those who live in Jerusalem and their rulers, because they did not recognize him nor understand the utterances of the prophets, which are read every Sabbath, fulfilled them by condemning him. And though they found in him no guilt worthy of death, they asked Pilate to have him executed. And when they had carried out all that was written of him, they took him down from the tree and laid him in a tomb. But God raised him from the dead. And for many days he appeared to those who had come up with him from Galilee to Jerusalem, who are now his witnesses to the people. And we bring you the good news that what God promised to the fathers, this he has fulfilled to us, their children, by raising Jesus, as also it is written in the second psalm, you are my son, today I have begotten you. This is the word of the Lord. to St. Luke, the 24th chapter. As they were talking about these things, Jesus himself stood among them and said to them, Peace to you. But they were startled and frightened and thought they saw a spirit. And he said to them, Why are you troubled? And why do doubts arise in your hearts? See my hands and my feet, that it is I, myself. Touch me and see, for a spirit does not have flesh and bones as you see that I have. And when he had said this, he showed them his hands and his feet. And while they still disbelieved for joy and were marveling, he said to them, Have you anything here to eat? They gave him a piece of broiled fish, and he took it and ate before them. Then Jesus said to them, These are my words that I spoke to you while I was still with you, that everything written about me in the law of Moses and the prophets and the Psalms must be fulfilled. Then he opened their minds to understand the scriptures and said to them, Thus it is written 
that the Christ should suffer and on the third day rise from the dead, and that repentance and forgiveness of sins should be proclaimed in his name to all nations, beginning from Jerusalem. You are witnesses of these things. And behold, I am sending you the promise of my Father upon you, but stay in the city until you are clothed with power from on high. This is the Gospel of the Lord. so has the church proclaimed ever since. On the day of his resurrection, it was the angels in the tomb who first made that proclamation. He is not here, but has risen. Just as they announced the glad tidings over the fields of Bethlehem so many years before to announce Jesus' birth, so now, as the light is about to break on this glorious day, comes a new announcement. The angels uttering that sweet word of gospel, the good news that the Lord lives. Later that day, Jesus took more of a show-and-tell approach to proclaiming his resurrection, inviting the disciples to touch him, see if he had flesh and blood, to look and put their fingers into the nail prints to touch his hands and his feet, and just in case anyone was still skeptical, eating some broiled fish would seal the deal. If, however, this band of followers were to become intrepid proclaimers of Jesus' resurrection, taking the good news to the very ends of the earth, they would need a deeper understanding, one that went beyond the mere fact of his resurrection, but to understand how all this had, was a fulfillment of what God had promised and had been working throughout the ages. The angels already began that catechesis that morning at the tomb as they told the angels, the women, to remember what Jesus himself had said about his impending death and his resurrection. It was left to Jesus, however, to carry on the catechesis, and he certainly did right away. First of all, on that road to Emmaus, as the hearts of those disciples began to burn, as they, they heard the not-yet-revealed Jesus link it all together, explaining from the prophets, from the law, how all these things were written about him. And then shortly thereafter, that catechesis went to all the disciples as Jesus appears before them, saying, These are my words that I spoke to you while I was still with you, that everything written about me in the law of Moses and the prophets and the Psalms 
must be fulfilled. Must be fulfilled. It was necessary. Absolutely so that these things take place. The evangelist St. Luke in particular makes this point again and again in his orderly account of all that Jesus did and said. Noting, for example, already early in that gospel how the 12-year-old Jesus understood the divine necessity of being about his father's business. This would be the theme of his entire ministry as he went about preaching and teaching in the villages and towns, as he healed those who were sick, as he casts out demons. Every word he proclaimed, every action he took was part of his relentless drive to the cross, impelled by nothing less than divine love for you and me. Thus it was necessary, necessary beyond all question, that the Son of Man must suffer and be handed over to death, and equally necessary that he must rise from the dead. Now fast forward some years after Jesus' resurrection to the incident that we heard recorded in our reading from the book of Acts. The setting, Paul's first missionary journey. The location, well, it's the synagogue on a Sabbath as Paul, the guest preacher, proclaims Christ. Our reading drops us right in in the middle of his sermon. By this point, he's already reviewed much of Israel's history. And it's, it's all there, how God chose Israel to be his people, how he rescued them from Egypt with an outstretched arm, how he cared for them through 40 years in the wilderness, bringing them into the promised land, giving them first judges, then at their request, a king, and finally settling on a man whose heart was set in the right place, the shepherd David from whom, Paul says, would come the Christ. In that sermon, the apostle was doing precisely what Jesus did for his disciples on the day of his resurrection, rehearsing for them all that the law and the prophets had recorded, demonstrating how this message of salvation testified to the salvific work of Jesus himself. And that's where we pick up Paul's sermon in our reading as he goes on to recount the final events that led up to Jesus' death and resurrection. Note in particular these words. For those who live in Jerusalem and their rulers, neither recognizing Jesus nor understanding the utterances of the prophets that are read every Sabbath, fulfilled them by condemning him. Did you catch that? Those who opposed Jesus and thirsted for his death unwittingly and unknowingly played a role in the fulfillment of the prophecies concerning the Christ. So necessary was it for the Son of Man to be betrayed and to suffer death, so necessary was it for the Lord of glory to be crucified, that God used even these vindictive, raging furies of the very ones into whose hands he had given his holy things there at the temple. They were used to carry out his divine purpose. It is unquestionably an irony for the ages that Satan would be a major player in his own downfall. In the third petition of the Lord's Prayer, we pray that God's will be done. In his explanation in the small catechism, Luther explains that God's will is done when he breaks and hinders every evil plan and purpose of the devil, the world, and our sinful nature. 
which do not let us hallow God's name or let his kingdom come. Never was that more true than when the calls for Jesus' crucifixion were carried out. God's will was most assuredly being done, for through the cross the devil's kingdom was shattered to pieces. Through suffering, God brought relief. Through death, God brought victory. And through death and defeat, God brings life. Make no mistake, God's will is done, even without our prayers, Luther says, in your life as well. Whether it's that call into the holy ministry some of you are waiting to hear, or a vicarage or internship assignment, God's will is done. Whether an unexpected diagnosis enters into your life, the death of a loved one, prospect of a job slipping through your fingers, or maybe a wayward child cutting himself off from the family, God's will is done. In every and any situation, God wills to break and hinder the evil plans of the devil. And so he does in your life. As his holy name bespeaks you righteous, and as his kingdom continues to break forth into your life. The angel's proclamation over the fields of Bethlehem, as well as there at the tomb, continue to sound forth in your ears that the one born of Mary, the Son of God, is risen from the dead. And wonder of wonders, while the angel's word to the women there at the tomb, that he was not at the tomb, while that was true in that moment, it is categorically not true that he is not here now. And let's clean up that double negative and say it another way. Your Lord has risen, and he is here right now for you. So come and see. Come to the place where he has promised to be for you. Alleluia, Christ is risen. I believe in one God, all maker of heaven and earth, and all things visible and invisible, and in one Lord Jesus Christ, the only begotten Son of God, begotten of his Father before all worlds, God of God, light of light, very God of very God, begotten not made, being of one substance with the Father, by whom all things were made, who for us.
In our prayers, we pray for comfort for the families of those who were killed in yesterday's mass shooting in Louisville. Rejoicing in the victory over death and grave, let us make our appeal to our Heavenly Father in the power of the Spirit for the sake of our crucified and risen Lord. Father in heaven, you raised your son Jesus Christ from the dead as the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. Fill all your baptized people with the joy of his victory, that we may live in the freedom he has won for us. Lord, in your mercy, bountiful giver of all things, your son has prepared a feast of forgiveness and life for his people. As we approach his altar this day, grant us a faithful share in his unending life. Lord, in your mercy. King of the nations, remember in your kindness all who bear authority in this world and give them wisdom and integrity that they may guard the well-being of all people. Lord, in your mercy. Rock of refuge in every time of need, hear the prayers of those who call upon you in their distress, including those who are lonely and homebound, the sick and dying, and all who suffer from mental illness. Grant that your Son may ever be for them their joy in sorrow, their health in sickness, and their comfort in times of despair. Lord, in your mercy. God of all comfort, bestow your peace on all who mourn the victims of violent death. Cause your word of life and hope to penetrate the darkness of fear and dread, that they may know your holy consolation. Lord, in your mercy. We entrust our prayers to God the Father through Christ, our Passover from death to life, in the life-giving Spirit, one God who reigns over all creation forever and ever. Amen.
The Lord be with you. Lift up your hearts. Let us give thanks to the Lord our God. It is truly good, right, and salutary that we should at all times and in all places give thanks to you, Holy Lord, Almighty Father, everlasting God. And most especially are we bound to praise you on this day for the glorious resurrection of your Son, Jesus Christ, the very Paschal Lamb, who was sacrificed for us and bore the sins of the world. By his dying he has destroyed death, and by his rising again he has restored to us everlasting life. Therefore, with Mary Magdalene, Peter and John, and with all the witnesses of the resurrection, with angels and archangels, and with all the company of heaven, we laud and magnify your glorious name, evermore praising you and saying, Blessed are you, Lord of heaven and earth, for you have had mercy on those whom you created and sent your only begotten Son into our flesh to bear our sin and be our Savior. With repentant joy, we receive the salvation accomplished for us by the all-availing sacrifice of his body and his blood on the cross. Gathered in the name and the remembrance of Jesus, we beg you, O Lord, to forgive, renew, and strengthen us with your word and spirit. Grant us faithfully to eat his body and drink his blood, as he bids us do in his own testament. Gather us together, we pray, from the ends of the earth to celebrate with all the faithful the marriage feast of the Lamb in his kingdom, which has no end. Graciously receive our prayers, deliver and preserve us. To you alone, O Father, be all glory, honor, and worship with the Son and the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. Amen. Our Lord Jesus Christ, on the night when he was betrayed, took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and gave it to the disciples and said, Take, eat, 
This is my body, which is given for you. This do in remembrance of me. In the same way also, he took the cup after supper, and when he had given thanks, he gave it to them, saying, Drink of it, all of you. This cup is the New Testament in my blood, which is shed for you for the forgiveness of sins. This do as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. As often as we eat this bread and drink this cup, we proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. O Lord Jesus Christ, only Son of the Father, in giving us your body and blood to eat and to drink, you lead us to remember and confess your holy cross and passion, your blessed death, your rest in the tomb, your resurrection from the dead, your ascension into heaven, and your coming for the final judgment. So remember us in your kingdom and teach us to pray. Our Father, The peace of the Lord be with you always.
The body and blood of our Lord Jesus Christ strengthen and preserve you in body and soul to life everlasting. Depart in peace. Amen. Let us pray. Gracious God, our Heavenly Father, you have given us a foretaste of the feast to come in the Holy Supper of your Son's body and blood. Keep us firm in the true faith throughout our days of pilgrimage, that on the day of his coming, we may together with all your saints celebrate the marriage feast of the Lamb in his kingdom, which has no end. Through Jesus Christ, your Son, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord look upon you with favor and give you peace. Amen.